Come on back, folks. We've got Dr. Amala, who is with us now, Dr. Amala and Taryn Callender. They are going to bring to you new, I'm sorry, I'm going to say new horizons one more time. Everyday lessons. Everyday lessons now. Thank you very much for joining us. And you can get this and all of your favorite broadcasts on itrnradio.com or on your favorite podcast platform. How are you, Dr. Amala? I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Good to have you. You know what? <laughs> it's a you. great thing. It's a great thing to have new horizons and also everyday lessons. It's a yes, it, it, it is. It is. And that was such a spirited discussion. I mean, I caught the end of it and I'm like, wow, that was a fantastic question at the end because we are all about having to retrain. You know, because there's so many things that we have learned or things that we have been taught that now we certainly need to do that retraining. So that that was a really good question. And and I'm happy with how they answered it, because one of the things that we really need to do is sit with what we've learned before and then move forward from there. So, yeah, that, that was good. That was really good. And yeah, it was a really interesting lead in. Yes, yes, absolutely. And Rome, Dr. Rome is... Uh, he was with the uh, Transatlantic Partnership. He was on that broadcast. And oh, okay. he brings a wealth of information. Uh-huh. He brings a wealth of information. And it is really incredible to listen to what he's saying. And this last part, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the slaves and people coming over here. And when you stop and think about it, oh, my God, who could ever question Black people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what slaves went through, what they endured. You oh know, my God. It, it's oh. interesting because I was doing some research. I want to go to one of the countries that has a door of no return. And um, so that could be any of the countries on the West Coast of Africa. So I was looking at Ghana and Senegal and so on. And yes. a number of those countries actually had their um, numbers sort of fudged so that now it's really, they're doing those things for tourism purposes. Because when you look at it, apparently um, Ghana only had 10,000 slaves contributed to the entire what? slave trade process. Yeah, I was reading that on Friday. Oh, you're so kidding. It, it, it's, it's one of those things that have, you know, now it has sort of shock value when you look uh-huh. at it. But um, most of them came from interior countries, not countries on the coast. So they, wow. they may have been trafficked through there, but not originally from there. So, and apparently a lot of that came up when President Obama was over there and he went to one of the sites, you know, and people were actually saying, oh, this is just a photo op, but it's, it's not really valid and whatever, you know. Wow. Um, but, but yeah, so, so it's, it's interesting that we need to understand precisely what is being sold to us. And the story is told differently depending on who tells the story. So we have to get control of of the narrative. Absolutely. Yeah, we have to be able to, you know, get people to to listen to the things that actually happen. And and move from there. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that in Ghana, especially Nigeria and any of those countries on the coast of Africa Mm -hmm. who have been tracing back 400 years and beyond, Mm-hmm. And the books, and I, I used to have a book that was talking about the first man on the planet was a black man. And mm-hmm. I sold the book like a numbskull. <laughs> I sold the book. Mm-hmm. But I was so intrigued with that book. And that there were several books like that. Mm-hmm. But how can anyone doubt that? And I'm going to say this, but in California, in California today, reparations have mm-hmm. been approved, if you will. So mm-hmm. they will be giving reparations to Black folks that can prove that they are descendants of slaves. So I See, find that to yeah, I find that to be so insulting. I find the that owners to be cannot so, be that, and that is my issue. And Taryn and I have had this conversation. Yeah. That is my issue with the whole reparation thing. I've spoken to my sister-in-law about it as well. She's a social worker. And so she's naturally concerned because, of course, you know, th- that's her, her job, really. And now 
because I kept on saying, how are you going to decide who gets reparations and who does not? Yeah. yeah. You know? And they're going to say, right. They're, they'll say, no, your descendants are from England. So your wow. last name is, is, um, whatever it is. I mean, hopefully we so, can okay. use all this modern technology yeah. that we have to yeah. situate us 450 years at least, you know, they make, back. And, and so they didn't that, make that, they didn't, right, they didn't make the Asians go through that. Right. With Japanese people right. got reparations. Exactly. Because exactly. they were given reparations when Clinton was mm-hmm. in the White House. Mm-hmm. They gave every Japanese person. I don't remember how much it was. As a matter of fact, I think it was something like $28,000. It may have been more. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, that number sticks in my head. Okay. But they gave Japanese their money. The Jewish people said, we don't want your money. We're going to make more money than you could give us. <laughs> the Armenian people, same thing. Mm-hmm. Mexicans, the same thing. But black people, we still have our hands out. We haven't changed the narrative yet, and we have not learned yet. Right, right. You know, it's funny because one of the things that I I had about four topics to talk about tonight, and one of them was actually what HBCUs could do to help Black people to be more successful. Um, And it was a study done by McKinsey. Um, And and I kind of lean a lot on McKinsey because they actually situate research in industry, you know, and so it helps us to understand what is current. It helps us to understand the direction of the future of work, future of business and so on. And that was an interesting topic. Um, but then I found something else that I wanted to talk about because it, it was directly related to emotions, you know, and, and I felt, and that's why I was saying that Dr. Ross's program was actually a great lead in. Um, Taryn is jumping on in a second. He's actually just getting back from Grenada. He's dealing with oh. Caribbean. Caribbean travel and, and having yeah. to get from place to place. So sometimes we, we worry about international travel, but Caribbean travel is a, a tad worse. But what I, what I want to talk about tonight is I have this book called 22 Talk Shifts, Tools to Transform Leadership in Business, in Partnership, and in Life by Krista Ungerbach. And um, he is the founder of something called the Global Talk Shift Movement. Interesting because talk, talking or speaking differently is one of the things that we always talk about. If you, if you're able to change your language, then, you know, you can, you can change your life and people are actually um, able to relate to you better. So we keep talking, we keep talking about, um, I'm trying to read the chat here. Uh, what was the Mali Empire? Uh, Senegal chat. Tanya, Senegal chat. Where people were, were trafficked. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so no, I, I definitely am looking into that because it, it's important to us. It's important to understand, you know, I, I don't just want to go to some place for tourist value. I lived in the Caribbean. People come there for tourist value. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, this is not for tourism. No, no. I want to understand because I, I feel that going to a door of no return is going to impact me in the way that it should, you know. So, and I'm hoping that it does that. But I need for it to be genuine. And so, I, I mean, I don't know if everybody's going to go into the sort of in-depth research that I would do before I go. People would be like, oh, I went to Ghana. Mm, okay. Why? Right. You know? Right. Right. So that, that's my, my thought process behind really digging into it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, it, it is definitely good to continue to right. continue well, the research. I know several people that went to went on the trip with the NAACP because right. the NAACP took a contingency of people to Ghana in 2019. And 2019 was the year of return. Right. Yes. So they took 275 people. And I said to someone, that's all. They didn't take anybody else. And, and the response was, well, that was a lot. That's not a lot. That's not a lot of 275 people. There are more people that go to a, a rap hip hop concert. Of course, of course. Okay. So why aren't there more people to go to something as important as that? Mm-hmm. I didn't know about it until they were there. Okay. But that is something that every black person in this country ought to know. About. If you have a chance, yes. If you have a chance to do it, you really should. 
You know what? Yeah. Whether you go on that trip or not, you should at least know about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And right now, the technology puts us there without having to leave. You yeah. know, but but still, you need to. You really need to do the research. But yes. it it needs to be talked about. Students need to know about this. Absolutely. We're still fighting the fight about uh, uh, critical race theory. What? Yes. Yes. In two thousand twenty-two. Okay. In 2022, you're mm-hmm. fighting against critical race theory. Mm-hmm. That does we're picking not up things, but we're picking up things that really right. have no bearing on how our everyday lives should be lived. But we have to find people have to find angles, and so you know they they put things in in place or put things in the way to sort of stem other things that should really be further along. Yes. And you know that's 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 where some of those things come in. And and to to really be in such great opposition of critical race theory, that just says white folks are still still trying to run everything, and it's called white privilege, and it's called racism. You yeah, don't need to what what we it. need to work on. What we need to work on now really is allyship. You know, because there, there really isn't a need to be um, afraid. But, you know, it, but we could we could work together. People can help us to get uh, get back to where we need to be. You know, right, so, right. And and yeah. I've heard people, I've heard white folks say we don't want to be blamed for what our what our ancestors did or what people did before us. We don't want to be held responsible for that. So they don't want critical race theory to be taught. Wrong. Mm. Wrong, wrong. Yeah, not necessarily the best approach. Not necessarily okay, the best approach. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. Hey, Taryn, how are you? And good night. And good night to everyone. Hi. Hope you all had a beautiful weekend. Apologies for my time. I was just net, saying you but... had in- inter-island travel problems. Okay. Yes, I had yes. some travel today, um, which is going to be a thing. As um, for those, uh, all the listeners, they know that and that's something that I do time to mm-hmm. time. Yes. So it's, it's going to happen. I'm going to be on a little... A short hiatus, like a four to five week hiatus, and um, between May and June, and I'm, I'm sensing ju- from June moving forward, it's going to be a little busy. So yes, mm. welcome once again. Want to thank everybody who's always here each and every week with us. We want to say thank you so much. We appreciate it. I listened in on a little bit of what you were talking about. Yes, we were, we were talking. Actually, actually, um, Keisha's show before us, they ended um, with a nice question talking about what, what got me was the fact that somebody asked a question about retraining. Like, how do you retrain your mind? I'm like, ah, so, hmm. you know, because we, that's where we, that, that's where we live. We live in we the live space of in understanding. The of, yeah. We have to learn and unlearn. So the retraining thing got me immediately. So and fantastic that people are asking those questions. And my newfound analogy, when I see is trying to teach yourself to recite the alphabet from the middle to the beginning yeah, exactly. or from the end to the beginning. Exactly. It can happen. But it's going to take some time. It'll take some time. Yeah. Yeah. It'll take some time. Yeah. So tonight, though, I wanted to talk about um, a talk shift. So I have, I have this book I said before called 22 Talk Shifts, Tools to Transform Leadership in Business and Partnership and in Life. And it's by Krista Ungerbach. Um, why I like it, it's because one, two things. It talks about shifting the way you speak. And secondly, in business and partnership in life. And I like to say at home, at work, at play, same thing. So he's come up with these 22 ways that you can shift the way you speak to get better relationships. And number 18, talk shift number 18, is one that I want to discuss today Um, because it's something that we have spoken about before. However, it takes a different approach to it and it becomes, you know, I, I think he does it in a way that I really like. So this chapter is speak like an emotional Einstein using the language of empathy. So we talk about being empathetic and so on. So here he says, to develop emotional intelligence and increase connection, use these words. So there are specific words that you should use. And we spoke before about increasing your emotional vocabulary and understanding, you know, why you you don't just when somebody asks you how you're doing, you say you're fine. We spoke about that. So in this book, he says, once upon a time, I was an emotional Einstein. An emotional Einstein is someone who intellectually understands emotional intelligence, 
but is unknowingly speaking thoughts instead of emotions. That I think is interesting. I'd read countless books on emotional intelligence, yet none of those books touched on the subtle but critical changes to our words that are the difference between analytical communication that disconnects us and the emotional communication that connects us. So that talks about people who speak well, but then they don't say much emotionally. So you can have a whole conversation with them and they say a lot of words and it's not, you know, really, really meaningful. It doesn't connect. It's, it's, it's all, I've been, I've been accused of, of having that, of doing that. Really? But I, find, yeah. I think you're an empathetic person because you yeah. leave the conversation with so much more and you are always ready to help and take on something else. Right, but um, I've been accused of exactly what you're speaking um there before. Like, um, I guess it's something over the years that I had to, as we said, relearn. Okay, uh-huh. myself, um, that I can find the right things to say in very difficult situations for others. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's and for example, when my dad passed, a lot of people could not understand how well I took it. Mm-hmm. Knowing our relationship, right, right. Everybody knew. For people who were in the inner circle, they knew that mm-hmm. yo, because we had nicknames for each other, like pet mm-hmm. names. You mm-hmm. understand? Carry ranks, and I was I literally in the last years of my dad's life took care of him, like not just mm-hmm. talking physically, like right. lifting. And I remember the first time we went and we measured him for prosthetics, and he got his legs. It was like we shared very major steps in his later life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know like in a man's early life you might meet a woman get married have kids and you share those things mm-hmm. well i had the opportunity to share some milestones with my dad later on in life like right, right. when i had to get him into the right mindset to even want the prosthetics because mm-hmm. there was a point he gave up mm-hmm. when he lost his legs he was like he done i was like no you're mm-hmm. not an old old man you have life Right. There's things we could do. We can get legs and we can move forward. Mm-hmm. But our relationship got to the point where it was so great. I He taught me how to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. That is a gift. I think he gave because it is the most traumatic thing to lose a loved one. Mm-hmm. Not everybody understands the process and how to process right. losing a loved one. Because we teacher though. No, there's there's no there's no classes in the how to grief. <laughs> well, no... well, there are, but we we always think that people are going to live forever, so we don't prepare ourselves. So saying that he prepared you for it put you in that frame of mind, right? Because it's something still I when it hit, but always still when it hit, yeah, it's, it's still. He always taught me that um, <clears throat> a man's job is to prepare his children for his departure. Mm-hmm. That is a um, one of a man's a rule for of a man. Once right. you're a father with children. At some point in your life, you have to start having the conversation. Right. What life is going to look like mm-hmm. when I'm not here. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So why I think I was accused of that is when I was trying to figure out how to balance emotions in particular situations, I always found clever way, clever words or mm-hmm. a clever way to speak on it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I guess a lot of people misinterpret the energy. You mm-hmm. have a better understanding because you are self-aware and you have a better understanding. So that's why you could tap in and say, but no, I find you very, yeah, I believe so too. Mm-hmm. But what I'm telling you is other people on the other side, right, I've right. been accused of not having it because they don't know what to look for. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes they are so startled in the moment of somebody is going through something bad where everybody mm-hmm. is distraught. And mm-hmm. here comes me, cool, cool, calm, collected, asking questions. Mm-hmm, right. I've seen things like, listen, yes, I understand, but tomorrow, mm-hmm. these are the things that have to happen. Okay, calm, right. let's write these things down. We know we all grieving now, but let us understand. I, I actually had that conversation just this weekend, yesterday, mm-hmm. last night. Stephen and a couple of us are going to, I was trying to explain to them. I speak from a place now of, we, I can be in front of you looking at a situation, but sometimes in the conversation, I might speak on things that is actually six months away from now. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I already know where we're going in the conversation. So I'm trying right. to get to where we're going to end up. Mm-hmm. So I try to speak to somebody who's going through something that, okay, we understand. Because people always say, yeah, no, we're going. We don't know what people are going through. Everybody right. goes differently. But what I do know, and what is fact, is time doesn't wait. Right. 
we live to see that. We are seeing the greatest perfect example in this conversation, Whitney Houston. We ever thought that that voice would have leaves us? <laughs> that voice not supposed to go anywhere. Luther mm-hmm. Vandross. Mm-hmm. And we still living. Mm-hmm. People still singing. Right. They remembered, yes. But mm-hmm. it's about the memory. It's about preserving. It's about remembering the times you have with people and trying to find a space where you can respect that, remember it with love, and know that you also have to continue living after it's gone. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in seeing these things, some people take it to mean, well, you don't care about nobody, you understand? Because yeah. especially Western Indian people, we are triggered so easily because we expect to see an auntie jumping in the hole. The whole yeah, it's dramatic and traumatic. It's dramatic because yeah. we grew up seeing that that is the only way to do it. If you we don't do, do not that, learn how to do. Yeah, don't. we we don't learn. We, we we don't know how to deal with death because we aren't taught. No. We, so we, you know, we, it's we, always like this is the end of the world. Like how are we going to and there's there's a bawling and crying session that and, must and, take place. And we grew up with a lot and of. And if aunts. it doesn't happen, then it's like. Mm, and if okay, you don't do it, you don't wrong with you. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like uh, we can get personal again. When you lost your best friend, mm-hmm. we, it, it was traumatic for you to attend the funeral. The yes. first leg. Yes. You were processing. Yes. It didn't mean you didn't love him. Exactly. Somebody now who on the next end could be shushuing. Hmm. Amala, imagine Amala didn't even turn up because they right. already sad because in our culture, it's to look for the negative. Nobody yes. stopped to think about, I wonder how Amala really dealing with this. Because right. this is your best friend you lose. Mm-hmm. And for you not to show up is not a, mm-hmm. not a case of not love. Some people exactly. just are ready. You I couldn't deal with it. And right. I said to his mom, I said, listen, I, I cannot come. I sent my, I, I wrote my um, tributes and all of that. And someone else who was in his class read it for me. And then when there was um, the memorial service uh, in Guyana, there wasn't a body. I went to that. I could right. not go to the funeral. And I knew myself. And you processed and, and you went and to the memorial. When I went to the memorial a couple of weeks later, it wasn't any less difficult for me. It it I, I may as well have I, gone to the funeral. It was just point, as hard. It, it was just yeah, but as at hard. That point, it could be an inch forward. Because it's like losing. Right. Weight. Yeah. Losing I we talk about the, 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 the bounty theory in losing weight. When you mm-hmm. tear one sheet of bounty paper, it looks like the whole sheet is still there. But still, if you're yeah. counting bounty, if they put 175 right. leaves and you take five, it's only 170 mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. So you might think you're not ready. Right. But that five sheets of paper that you take tear to cry was enough to take you to Guyana mm-hmm. to do your memorial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So yeah. we're talking about when people think that you're not empathetic sometimes is because they expecting the and the expectations of how you should react to something is not exactly there. exactly. When you actually being empathetic, you are right. trying to, to to give the words of comfort. Yes. Tell them we're going to get to the next day. We're yeah. going to get to the next mm-hmm. week. We're going to get to the next month. Mm-hmm. But as you say, nobody taught us how to have those right. conversations. Exactly. So when somebody who could actually have it is having it. Mm-hmm. They're then accused of being heartless mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you don't care. And that's why I said I've been accused a couple of times of that because from early, early out in my life, I have figured out because I experienced that early, as you know. Yeah. My first brush with that was at nine and mm-hmm. it left a big scar on my life. From, mm-hmm. from the age of nine, I saw what that was and what sadness was and grief because I lost two friends same time. Yes. And yes. one shot is like, mm-hmm. everybody is like, and you have to understand that silence. When right. I remember that, because we were all in a van, in like what we call a maxi. Mm-hmm. So picture the whole maxi on the trip to go to the, the beach was mm-hmm. jolly, mm-hmm. happy, singing mm-hmm. songs, having yeah. fun, playing games, get, hearing your parents saying, oh, stop it, or oh, they making too much noise. All of that was happy. Mm-hmm. To be going back home with two seats missing. And everybody crying. And everybody crying. Mm-hmm. Understand what that does, you know? We're talking mm-hmm. about the two seats that I, because it was me, two of and them. probably and would have been the, next to you. We were next to each other on the yeah. way. Mm-hmm. So think about on the way back, these two children not there with me. Mm-hmm. Everybody you look around, every grown-up you see, face wet. Mm-hmm. Crying. Mm-hmm. And this is an hour and 45-minute drive. So mm-hmm. I have to endure that for hour and 45 minutes. And this time, I ain't processed yet that it's there, the there, because the, the body right. was covered the same time. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So I, it wasn't like, okay. You're still thinking there's there's a chance. Oh, of course. You yeah. say, like, no, man, I will wake up tomorrow and everybody will be playing like normal. Yeah. And then the next day, they're not around. 
day mm-hmm. after that, still not around. Mm-hmm. And it don't really hit you until weeks later is when I realize, yeah. yo, they're mm-hmm. not here. Mm-hmm. And their parents mm-hmm. never really get over it because you right. lost children in one shot to, yeah. and by, for an uh, accident. It's not to say it was... Yes, they were sick or anything. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. So again, so for me, I was so... I always find... I found a way early in life how to deal. And mm-hmm. my dad was a big help because he was very instrumental in me getting over that. And then mm-hmm. when I get later on in life, when we started to have conversations about him... We had deep conversations about how to prepare. So I can say I was taught how to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Because my father had the conversation with me many times. Because mm-hmm. I remember one mm-hmm. of the times he had it is when we did the legs. He's like, yes, we're doing this leg thing. Because I was more excited than him. Mm-hmm. At any moment, he was like, yeah, but I just let you know that this temporary. Mm-hmm. He was saying, this is just for me to have a couple more steps. And, and I was trying to encourage him to say, well, listen, look at so much to live for. You have grandkids, you right. have grandchildren running the back of the yard. All them sort of things that can boost his spirits. Mm-hmm. But he was already telling me, I will do all those things. Mm-hmm. But we also had to remember that he, in his mind, he was telling me he does not want to create a sense habit, of habits, a sense hope, of comfort right. that they can live up to. Mm-hmm. He was saying like, okay. He, it had things he put his foot down that he wasn't doing. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't doing things like taking them out and doing runs and that. No. He said, because that's the right. short. And so yeah, he, he didn't had, want to make those so, memories. So his connection with them was simple things. That's simple things like take off the light. Mm-hmm. They were sitting. He, he's a, a, he loved cards. So he mm-hmm. taught the bigger one how to play a particular card game. One that he taught okay. Things mm-hmm. that you would, he would leave, but yeah. not necessarily agree with. Custom and to leave do. a hole, right? Exactly. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like when you reach there, you're not doing this every Sunday again, so you're right. going to cry. Yeah, exactly. So what he did was leave something. It's like he taught me to play drafts, chess, mm-hmm. a game called Ace, and a mm-hmm. game called 500. So he taught mm-hmm. my bigger daughter to play 500. So he did those things. So mm-hmm. now when she plays a game, hey, Papa taught me this game. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's not like me and Papa used to play this every, every Sunday right, for right. five years. Yeah. You understand? Uh, yeah, he yeah. was very strategic in the things he was doing yeah. with them. Yeah. Only because he said that was also a way of him helping me. Because mm-hmm. it would have been extra burden on me having to comfort them and comfort myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you understand? Mm-hmm. So he was mm-hmm. smart in what he was doing. Intentional, so, yeah. Yeah, he's very intentional in his actions. So again, yeah. so sorry that so I went on yeah. long, but I just no, have to, right, uh, to mention that. Yeah. Think, things, those, those are all relevant. So he talks here now about identifying emotions in ourselves and others, which, which we have spoken about. He said, imagine the last time you asked someone, how are you feeling? Do you remember what they said? I suspect it was, I'm feeling fine, or I'm okay, or I feel great. The problem is that those words, fine, okay, and great, are not feelings. They are not emotions. Those words do not create an emotional connection. And we too are trying to get people to stop saying, I'm fine, when you say, how are you doing? A simple upgrade is to replace the word, how, with what. If you ask, what are you feeling? It's more difficult for someone to respond with fine, okay, or great. Some people will still do this out of habit, though. And I have noticed, like, when I go to work and someone says, as a greeting, hi, Mal, how are you? And I say, I'm well, thank you. How about you? They keep walking, and I'm standing waiting because I asked you a question. I didn't greet you, you know? So that that will take some some time to change. Um, He said, if you see a flash of emotion on someone's face, or even more, an even more powerful way to ask is what emotion are you experiencing right now? Or simply, what are you feeling right now? Alternatively, if someone is telling you a story of something emotional that happened in the past, ask what emotion were you experiencing at that moment? So that's if people are talking and they are not emoting in the moment, you can ask them how it made them feel. But see, like with your story, you were saying, how it made you feel because you speak from a place of understanding what the emotions are that are connected to the story. Everybody doesn't do that. Yeah. You know, um, the tool is equally useful for identifying our own emotions. If you develop a habit of becoming more aware of your own emotions by asking, what am I feeling right now? You'll find that you'll be more likely to change the words when you're talking to others. As you begin to ask yourself and others to identify emotions, you'll find that many people have a hard time finding the right words for emotions that they are experiencing. 
when we don't know the emotion we're experiencing, I feel fine is an easy way to answer the question. To identify emotions, it's useful to ask the following multiple choice questions. If forced to choose from the following emotions, which one comes closest? And then you give them a list. Happiness, love, anger, fear, sadness, shame, disgust, or surprise. The emotions above are the primary families of emotions. Since the days of Aristotle, philosophers and other more rec- and more recently psychologists have classified emotions into core emotions or families of emotions. Think of families of emotions as branches of a tree. For example, there may be a major branch for, on the tree for anger. That branch split off into various smaller branches that would include rage, um, and annoyance, disappointment, and so on. And after you've identified the family, then you can further go by asking something like, what category of anger do you think you're feeling? So people are able to get into, you know, where, where they think they could be in terms of describing it. But English language is really what makes us, um, you know, get into the difficulty. Um, so, okay. Um, yeah, so English is what gets in the way of us, um, really describing what we feel it. So English speakers have a unique challenge when expressing emotions because English gets in the way of expressing emotion that many other languages do not. So we mm, have some words that's here. Interesting. Yes, that's yes. Very... And I, yeah, cause it says here, um, if you look up the word for feel, in an English thesaurus, you will discover that the word think is a synonym for feel. But if you look up the French word for feel, which is sentir, in a thesaurus, you would find that the French word for think, penser, is a synonym. In the same for, is the same for German and many other languages. As a result, we sometimes find ourselves, fool ourselves into thinking that we are speaking in an emotionally intelligent way when we are not. Despite reading countless books on emotional intelligence, I found, I fooled myself this way for nearly 20 years. Here's what it looks like. And it's, he says, I feel like I've been hit by a bus. I feel like you did that on purpose. The statements above are not feelings because you really were not hit by a bus. No, the okay. thought, they are thoughts. Yes, I, I do I'm, not I'm... feel that you yes, did that I'm... on purpose. I think you did that on purpose. Yeah, correct. And they feel like I hit from a bus. We have never been struck by a bus. Yeah, but we, we say that often. We have never. <laughs> no. I can't ever, unless I have never met someone who actually got struck down by a bus. Right. So but you, but I, we, we I'm feeling like so I, often. Yeah, but, and then like in that a case. Like a mat truck hit you. Like, no, huh? yeah, yeah, but <laughs> in that case, if I did get hit, I would say I'm feeling like I felt last week. And it would spark what happened last week. I right. 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 It's the difference. So <laughs> yes, really, yes. you will never say I feel like I hit from a bus if you really got hit from a bus. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You might start by saying, "Cool, I'm feeling like the bus hit me again." Yes. Or yes. I'm feeling like when I got struck by a bus. You will never say I'm feeling like I got struck by a bus because right. it never. But yes, what that? we need to do now is be a little bit more attentive to, mm-hmm. to speech when others speak to us, and we also need to be more careful in our choice of words. Especially now that we're really trying to be, to live in a place of empathy and live in a place of staying emotionally intelligent. Once, because once you understand it, you know, you have to be so careful. Listen, I'm loving this. I'm laughing because I'm saying we also have to do it with a warning sign up because (laughs) you know how us black folk take offense for everything. From the time you start correcting, no, 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 no. I think you shouldn't say, what? You're trying to, no, you're, no, you're talking down to me. You know, we, we have this thing where we are so easily yeah, triggered. Yeah, yeah. It's going to yeah. go from, so you're talking down to me. No, I'm not. I'm just saying, how about you? need you to be more careful this? with your words. Yeah, like, I, I need to be careful with my words. Like, I know yeah, no, I can see how it will go. Mm-hmm. It can. So we have to also do it. But if you start with self, though. Yeah, you have to, and I wanted to go back real quick when we were speaking about um, asking how you're feeling, but we have figured out such a brilliant exercise that we do all the time yes. where we scale it. Yes. To help the other person. Right. To answer right. the question. 
So yes. we feel it. We normally go, how are you doing on a scale? Because we, we, we speak to ten. We speak in one to ten. So yes. we could be like, hmm, today is a three. Or today mm-hmm. is an eight or a solid nine. And so mm-hmm. we know, well, when we have solid nine days, we know we have having great days. If yes. you have a solid ten, well, yeah, exactly. Good. it's a good yes. day. But yeah. and I, that is something I've been practicing and it's less offensive. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Somebody, exactly. Give me a scale on a scale, one to ten, talk to me. All you have to tell them in some cases, which side you want to balance the scale? Because some people think that one is best and ten is... Right, yeah, 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 exactly. So you just have to balance the scale. Yes. But See, use the scale. With ten being best. With 10 yeah. being best, mm-hmm. what we feeling today, and right. I'm telling you, it's going to, and it automatically triggers a, an emotion in the person you're asking. It, mm-hmm. It's a welcoming, and it's such a nice icebreaker, I've realized, when mm-hmm. I used it recently, mm-hmm. in this in the past couple months, over the past six months, in using that little phrase, you see how it sparks better conversation. And people really think about it. Yes, because when they're processing, how am I really feeling on a scale of one to ten? If they come under five, mm-hmm. you then you automatically get into yeah, but you automatically get into a space of care mm-hmm. and concern because mm-hmm. you if you didn't if you wasn't at the beginning when you asked the one to five, when you get the answer, you automatically are drawn into if they hit you a nine, congratulations. It's kind of like you can wave. And be like, right. okay, good, have a good right. one. But once it's five, you automatically know engage. You, you need to yeah. know what, okay, what are, things, what are the yeah. things that we can do mm-hmm. to get it at seven today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, if somebody say five, you ain't pushing the bar too much. What we can do to get you over the top to get it at seven? Right. And that will spark a beautiful conversation. And nine out of ten times, I think after the conversation is over, the two parties really leave each other feeling better. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And that Agreed. conversation... Is the conversation that could get it to seven. Mm-hmm. Just the yes. conversation. Yes, Just the absolutely. fact that you showed interest, you cared, and I know feeling, yes, at least somebody cared, and mm-hmm. I had a chance to, it could be anything. Maybe somebody just wanted to get some things off the chest, talk about mm-hmm. how they're having a horrible time at work, or mm-hmm. the relationship is in a real bad place, and they're just looking for some kind of advice. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. And in that conversation, you can leave now at seven. You started mm-hmm. at five and you can leave at seven. So I'm just mm-hmm. saying that is something we use, guys. So I will always encourage people to try the scale. The scale works. Yes, it does. I believe yes, in it the does. Scale. So he says now, um, well, here's the solution. Eliminate the word like or that after the word field. So the next word after feel should always be an emotion word. So you want to say, I feel sad or I feel angry. You know, instead of I feel like a right. with me or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so I feel like, I feel emotion. Um, so in some teams and corporate cultures, you may be uncomfortable saying I feel. So you can replace I feel with emotion with I am said emotion. So, for example, I feel sad becomes I am sad. Mm-hmm. And that then could be a little bit more palatable. Because when you start to talk about feelings, and this is something that I'm actually experiencing right now, I'm working on a project um, with Team Science for Dr. Nelson and the future of work. And this group of engineers that they have from Morgan State, well, Morgan State is doing a project. And they're sending, um, I want to say it's like solar panels out to people in different countries. So some in Australia, but one person in Australia, somebody in India. Um, it's like six people that make up this team from around the world. They're all engineers. And when they get the solar panel, they're to decide what they're going to do with it, what kind of data it's going to collect and so on. And then they're going to do something collectively with this data. So I need to talk to them about team science. Um, it's, I am one of two people. So it's me and this professor from Wayne University in Detroit. She is a psychologist. And we're working on this project about team science. So Dr. Nelson jumps in and she says to us, well, you know, all this emotion thing, Amala, I'm not sure that they would be so happy because these are scientists and they don't talk about feelings. I'm like, wait, wait, what? So immediately I am stunned because scientists are people, or at least I thought so, you know? And then she says, oh, by the way, and um, there's only one woman on this team. So you two women coming to talk about feelings you need to find a different way to get that into the presentation i'm like huh so 
You know, it it really was interesting because we we did the um the PowerPoint and we have it ready to go. We were supposed to do it last Friday, but they didn't get all the stuff. So I think Going we're doing it this back Friday. We'll begin the points of the yes. understanding and rethinking and retraining. Yes, we are so led to believe that all men cannot right. talk about, about feelings. Are not allowed. We are allowed to a get up, b get dressed, c head to work, d get paid. <laughs> and, and come back home, take bring care all of the money home. Right. That's it. Yeah. We are not allowed to stop, have personal breaks, right. health, mental health breaks, have conversation to keep a balanced mindset. Right. Because we, it's only now the conversation has started over the past three years, heavy, especially in the pandemic, how important it is to have these where emotional conversations could lead to, the correct emotional conversations, I should say, could lead to less suicide less in in the case of the u.s i'm sure there are figures out there i don't know them in terms of those mass shootings and, and, domestic, people violence. and domestic violence mm-hmm. these people as you just said are people they're human beings mm-hmm. if they had an opportunity eight months before that trigger or pulling the trigger mm-hmm. to have a conversation it might have not healed them entirely but prevented them step back at least right and mm-hmm. prevented the end of the world demise that they would have done if it's right. been into a, a, a supermarket or a, a shopping mall and gun down people or or go home and and kill your family and hang yourself mm-hmm. and all of these crazy things that people do mm-hmm. conversation can fix that and so that my my emotional exercise it has to be my exercise in in the um powerpoint was to have them when they're describing themselves because this thing is like an hour and a half so i gave them um props so i put like 30 or 40 words that you would describe yourself saying i am whatever a, a list of words right a list of adjectives and then i say if an adjective to describe you is not in this list then tell us about yourself Right. So I am adventurous. I am fearful. I am awesome. Whatever. Right. Beautiful. And so that makes it seem like, okay, this is an aid that you've been given. So you don't have to come up with these things on your own, but we want to know who you are as people because you have to work in a team and it is important for them to understand what they're bringing to the team because that's what team science is about. You people work in different places, but you have to now say, listen, I live in Australia. I'm not going to get up at two o'clock every morning to get on these calls when someone and wherever it's dinner time for them or it's a start or someone, someone else's day. So they have to get to the point of saying, listen, we need to share when these meetings will happen. And, you know, they'll be coached into make, saying things make. like that. Right. Have them but do- they have to understand that they must personalize the whole experience and humanize the experience. And the only way to humanize people is by letting them know they have emotions. So they need to tap into it. And and I I could not understand. These are guys and they don't talk about feelings. I'm like, no, we can't do that. And I'm more than sure, I'm more than sure, the guy in Australia will welcome the fact that Mate, I don't have to get up at one thirty a.m. Every so time. The rest of you. If you all say, well, we're doing that twice out of the five sessions, fine. So he now can speak up on that. And then somebody then in that speaker say, well, bro, I totally understand that. Hear what? I will make it. I will, I will sacrifice, sacrifice one exactly. of my days. And everybody yes. can sacrifice a day in order for it to feel balanced. Equal, and more, exactly. And you get more productivity that way. They're not going into it feeling less than or feeling right. a type of way. Right. They go into it with that sort of excitement, like, listen, everybody's on the same page. We all right. want the same thing. Because yeah. of that little conversation, as you say, with time, time difference. Mm-hmm. With and that's just, that's just one thing. Now, people I'm, also have to talk about what their strengths are. Because someone may like writing up something. Someone else may like math. Someone else may like being outdoors and getting the data. Mm-hmm. That's, you have to figure out how you're going to work together as a team. Because you don't know each other. All you know is that you all are scientists working on this project, you and know? You and want, it's I not, think, it's I not complicated somebody, where people don't need to know. You're not in the military where, you know, you, you work in silos, you work in together. And for the, and for the, the soccer fans on here and the football fans on here could say a man who understands team, what's it, what's it called? Team, what are you team calling science. it? Team, team science. science. Mm-hmm. Would be Ferguson. 
he understand how yes. to take people from all over the world. Yes. Best example. Yeah, I would say that. Myself. Best example. <laughs> he as a Manchester United fan. He has that skill set of bringing <laughs> 11 human beings yes. into one space mm-hmm. and using each and every individual strength. personal strength yes. to yes. get to the promised land. Yes. Which yes. is a cop. Uh, whatever title they're going after, whatever yes. particular mm-hmm, year. And mm-hmm. I have looked at this documentary. I'm not, as you know, I'm not a big football fan. I, I'm not going to come here and tell lies to anybody that I'm this big, super duper Manchester fan either. Well, we know you are really right. <laughs> you have your book to prove it. Right? <laughs> Alex Ferguson, I, I looked at his documentary. I read some of the quotes of the book and stuff. I will tip my head and bow to the brother. Mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. has gifted him with that skill set yes. of bringing young men together and getting the best best results. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I say best, he has proven himself time of and course. time again. Yes, sir. Alex is a goat. The best results. He doesn't half step. So right. what you're saying there is totally true. And for him, he also has a different. He has something that I'm really, I'm really love. Patience. He understands. Mm. It takes time and this is what we tell people on this podcast every week nothing we speak on is going to happen to you tomorrow, tomorrow. Exactly. you have to like i saw this meme going around with these kids saying if you practice every day at anything you're going to get good at it mm-hmm. it could be the simplest thing mm-hmm. if you can't sing you might be end up like mariah but if you cannot sing and you get a a a, 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 a tutor you might be tone deaf no voice at all. You know what happened? That person with the right practice and tutoring could get you to finish a song. You understand what I'm it saying? It might not be the best example because... No, no, no. no. Yes, I know. I know. But understand But, but now, people, however... Some people, I'm not talking record. I'm talking about naturally sing. You no, might have the worst voice in the world. If you but remember Gangnam Style? Yeah. And that was that was viral. That went viral for no good reason at all. It so it's not like he could sing. No, but you it know? was it was it was catchy. It had other things, other elements. He, as the as the persona of what he was doing, was funny. That and, sort of thing. But mm, what I'm saying yeah. is that if you study the craft, even though you don't have a voice, and you have the right tutor, they can get you to end the song. Meaning you would not sing it to, again. To I song. see what you're saying, but I don't think singing is the right example I'm, because I too many I'm, people have got got a pass. And they are now, you know, they're minting money and they can't sing at all. So, oh yeah, well, know. we're not talking about them. That's the fun. That's the them, them, <laughs> them. Not, no, we're not talking about that. I'm actually talking about if you practice at it, like you stick mm, with okay. it Got over it. a period of time. I'm not telling you, you're not going to win a Grammy. Mm. Do not think Grammy's going to come, but you will get to, when I say finish a song, you can get to sing down one song in the right key, mm-hmm. one tone. It might not be the greatest effort, but over time, I'm sure with the right voice coach and practice every day, the worst voice on the planet could finish one song. You're not going to full stadiums. You're not going to have people paying to hear it, but it's not going to be from the first day you started. Right. Just pick a random song, sing this song. You right. struggle. You yeah. can get somebody to teach you to sing that same song two mm-hmm. years from now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you will train your diaphragm, train your voice to sing, catch the key, your ears will start to understand your voice, you will catch the note, and you will sing We Are The World, flawless, in your mm-hmm. natural voice, mm-hmm. in key, mm-hmm. you understand, proper breathing, enunciations, and so on. You would mm-hmm. not fill a stadium, I'm not telling anybody here to get a voice coach and you will be Beyonce, it doesn't work that way, you actually have to be able somebody to Somebody just said, was it, was it, somebody just said that Beyonce couldn't sing, was it, it no, it wasn't T-Pain, it was... No, it was, um, I saw it, the interview. Somebody, I'm like, oh yeah. my goodness, he is yeah, he was very. He was very, very brave and bold, he don't care about the bees, he said Beyonce is not a singer, she's not, but he Fantastic. was speaking Good from a, him. I, I understood what he was saying, he was speaking from... I just read the headline yeah. and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, no, no, but he was, if we're being, if we're being fair, he mm-hmm. was correct from the angle he was taking it from. I don't, I don't even care about the angle. <laughs> he was correct. He was speaking from Black Church. Oh, okay. Black American she Church. She one good song. Listen, Listen is her best song, I think. For but you. hey, the Beehive, 
need to leave me alone. is real, but I'm saying he yeah, was speaking he to leave me alone. <laughs> he was speaking from that place of right. black church, his grandmother and them kind of. Oh, you know, them so kinda, therefore Jennifer Hudson can sing. Thank you. That, that was his comparison. Oh, really? That was his comparison. Yeah, he was saying, oh. he, he called names. He was like, Jennifer oh, Hudson is a singer. Well, Patti no. LaBelle, singer. Now I feel he like I know something. Was, oh, my God. He was going down that road. He was going down that road. But he was saying that Beyonce is not that for him. I just I just saw the headline. Like, mm, okay, good. This could be interesting. But nah, yeah. it's not that serious. And I moved on. It's not. Yeah, yeah, so um, one of the things he did, last thing he says here is to beware of false feelings, which, of course, are always there. There are many emotion words that are not helpful because they imply that the other person has done something to us. These false feeling words place blame for our emotional state on someone else. Those emotions are often judgments of something the other person has done to us. False feelings are almost always associated with words that end in the letters ED, such as I'm feeling betrayed in a sensitive conversation. Saying I feel frustrated will often cause the other person to hear you frustrated me. The actual emotion here is frustration. False feelings do not fit well in the following sentence based on the question we use to identify emotion. The emotion I'm experiencing right now is frustrated. You can't say that. So <laughs> that's a false feeling. So that's how you're able to identify what a false feeling is. There's an easy way to identify false feelings. They almost always complete the sentence, you something me. As, as in you disappointed me. You disappointed me makes a logical sentence. You sadness me does not. Sadness <laughs> is a feeling. Disappointed is an action. And in this case, it's a judgmental action that typically causes the person who hears it to become afraid or defensive. Many of these words are not emotions at all, but some give us clues to the emotions. Disappointment and frustration are emotions. Imagine you're in an emotionally charged conversation with someone who is angry with you, and they say, the emotion I'm experiencing is frustration. Compare that with I am feeling frustrated. There's a subtle difference. Uh Anger and false feelings typically go hand in hand. Here are more examples of false emotions. Abandoned, abused, attacked, betrayed, bullied. uh, What is this one? Cheated, diminished, intimidated, let down, manipulated, misunderstood, neglected, overworked, pressured, rejected, taken for granted threatened, unappreciated, unheard, unsupported, unwanted, used. Whenever you hear those false feelings, consider them a signal for anger. How we communicate our anger and respond to anger from others is critical in maintaining strong, lasting partnerships. Mm -hmm. I felt that this chapter really spoke to the things that we are talking about. Um, you know, and, and really understanding what are some of the ways that we can communicate with empathy. It has everything to do with the words that we choose. And if we, as he said, speak like an emotional Einstein, use the language of empathy. So just being able to make some small tweaks, yeah. you know, those, those things are incredibly important, incredibly important. So I just thought, I, I thought I would share that. There's another chapter that I, I want to do, and perhaps we can do that one next week. Um, because just being able to make these talk shifts really puts us in a place of um, sort of bettering our, our relationships at home, at work, at play. Yeah. As I like to say, or as he says, in business and partnership and in life. Yeah, I love, so, I love yeah. it. I love it. I sent you a message and I need to get a copy of that last page. I think I could use that on here. I love the that conversation. Well, I sent it to you. The false, the false, um, mm-hmm. false emotions is real because everything you just you just listed mm-hmm. it's true. It it comes from a, when people start seeing them things and we all experience it. It comes from an angry place when you start to say things like abandoned mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, I feel abandoned. I feel abused. I'm just, yeah, and people use things loosely, and we keep saying that. You know, people say things that really are people are. Over dramatic, 
you know, and, and they somebody asks you something and you you just feel, oh, I feel abandoned. Like what happened? You know, you oh, and then when you get to the bottom of it, there it could be a two on a scale of one to ten. No, you, you feel know? abandoned because because no, or it could be you feel abandoned because you ask a question and the person. No, no, no. People generally, life. but generally, people come out with these things. These things are unsolicited. Most mm-hmm. times when people are going to the extreme, it is something that is unsolicited. So they just start the conversation with something like that. Oh, I'm having the worst day ever. And then you ask what what the issue is and it is something trivial or something that they are really and we also have to be careful. We have to be careful for that too because when you see, when we see things like it's trivial, they then we yeah. are mm-hmm. diminishing how they're yes. feeling yes. and it ends up and sparks a whole different so we too again have to always live in the space of caution walk mm-hmm. with caution tape in your pocket because you have to this new world is a world of caution especially mm-hmm. generation z you can't tell them anything we can't use words like hyperactive or, or super sensitive they hate that because oh people do we are diminishing how they feel and right. they have anxiety for just about everything under the sun. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I have to say, they have anxiety for everything. They wake up in the morning, the alarm clock is anxiety. Right. And, and that's everything what I'm saying. So it could be, and, and that could be a two. When you talk about things being catastrophic, you know, and, 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 oh, I'm having the worst day ever. And you figure it out and you're like, Why? Oh my because you forgot. To buy, you forgot to buy filters for the coffee machine. How is that the worst right, day ever? Exactly. Run by Starbucks. Okay, you can make the coffee home. Buy it right, outside. Exactly. Figure exactly, it out. Yeah. But when we say things like, okay, cool, but figure it mm-hmm. out, you can go to the corner store mm-hmm. or you can get the filters later. Mm-hmm. So, so something like having to switch the, the kind of muffins that you get. So if you went and you wanted banana nuts and they didn't have that, and so you had to settle for like a blueberry muffin, yeah. like that, that just does not fit and then well. when And then, right, and then when you say, but it's only blueberry, that's okay, it's one day. So now they're offended. That is how I start my day. How dare right, you exactly. tell me I should right. settle? And that's our next yeah. argument. And then the whole relationship is on the brink of shambles. <laughs> and we need to both go counseling or we mm-hmm. need therapy. We both have to go absolutely see a therapist right. because you don't understand. Right, exactly. You have yeah. no understanding. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm, they don't mm-hmm. get it and they don't think that they need to. They right. don't think. That is, they don't think that that is exactly it. They don't think that they, they need to. They don't have the patience. Mm-hmm. They don't right. have the patience. And I agree. I like this comment. This comment. There is also the comprehension aspect of an emotional conversation. One can use all the words that they want, but if the participants can't comprehend emotions for whatever reason, and instead of recognize the mechanical verbiage, then we have an issue. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It's correct. only half correct. of the conversation. Correct. That is correct. Yes, that and is true. Again, going that back to what going back. So a caller to say they don't, they don't wait. They don't wait to understand. They just oh, automatically feel like right. in this yeah. moment, right now, I didn't get my muffin. I'm upset. You need to be upset with me. Right. Do not do not tell me it's gonna take me a while to calm else. down. Yeah. You be if you're not upset with me in this moment, we can't we can't do this anymore. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. not on my page and you're diminishing how I'm feeling by not being in my same sour state. I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Really, and, and, and where we compromised, and we had to, we had to adjust and readjust and learn flexibility. These people from Pluto, they don't understand flexibility, compromise, mm-hmm. understanding, mm-hmm. patience, forgiveness, because that's not in their vocabulary. Yeah. They're not built that way. Right. They don't They're know built, no. anything about it. Validation no, right everything now. Microwave now. No, everything no. My way, and that's it. And whereas, as, I said, characters. <laughs> as I said, 20, 30 years ago, the things I did, there's no way in the world they could do them today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No way in the world. Right. I mean, and, and, and yes, we have to embrace change, and, and, you know, we need to do that, but Again, the, the unlearning. We we right back to where we started with having to unlearn and relearn some things. So, so we we really have come full circle, and um, you know, uh, thank thank. To learn. 
who's supposed to learn? Who's supposed to learn and relearn? Do they have to learn from us, they, or do we have to learn? From them? Well, we we may need to we may need to understand how to communicate with them because, um, as the comment I just read said, if we if we aren't speaking the same language, then there's an issue. You yeah. know, so we need yeah, we need to deal with that. the same language. And who's right. but who who do we hold responsible for that? We have to learn to talk to each other, or else, or else we're gonna end up. We're gonna end up like um, no, no, no. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Oh wow! They were in a relationship for years, and I am. I am not watching the thing because I'm at work during the day. I just stumbled on it like yesterday. I had no clue what was going on. What do you feel about it yesterday? Like last night? To be quite honest, I think my thing is though. A lot. When I hear the comments, I'm like, "Wow!" So they didn't talk to each other because a lot of the issues they are bringing out into the public now could have been solved with proper communication. I guess they lived no. a time when he was. It was like a big star. Remember, they would a lot of things were getting shoved under the rug because he was on top of the world. That is pirates and Caribbean journey. Jeez. So you know slapping somebody but yeah we can talk about that later right, right. <laughs> yeah all right guys have a fantastic yeah, week and okay. we will be back Absolutely. here on sunday of next week next sunday all righty all right have a good night all righty thank you very much you have been listening to everyday lessons with dr amala luncheon and taryn calendar everyday lessons now it was a perfect perfect seg- segue i can talk perfect segue from the previous show with Dr. Keisha Ross and that is New Horizons the mind and body connection perfect segue great shows thank you for joining us you can get this broadcast and all of the other broadcasts on itrnradio.com and also on your favorite podcast platforms stay tuned folks because it is now time for the prayer Call for all. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.